Well, good morning. It's good to be uh, with you today. My name is Pastor Peter. If you're not from Grace Fellowship Church, our church is a multi-site church. So this is the Florence campus. I pastor the campus over in Fort Thomas, which is, like I said, just north of NKU. And it's very exciting to be with you today. And I'm so glad that you chose to come out to Reclaiming I Do to this marriage conference. We have been thinking about and more importantly, praying about what the Lord might do among us as we gather together over the course of this day and a half and open God's word and be transparent with one another and see what the Lord has to stay with us that he might impart grace and truth to us in this our time of need. Today, uh, what we're doing is we're starting a, uh, a, a, a sermon series right now, or not a sermon series, a message right now on communication. And we're going to do, you're going to see that we're going to take these next two sessions and we're going to look at marriage from non-marriage verses. That's a real important thing for us to get our minds around, particularly those of us who are biblical counselors, because what we tend to do just by nature, by default, is we look at this book as an encyclopedia. So we are so excited that this book speaks to all of life, so excited that there's things that we can do to offer hope, offer help to people who need it, and offer hope and help to ourselves, that we look at the Bible as if it has the marriage section, and as if it has the sex section section and as if it has the christian living sections that you know that are interspersed throughout but this and then we get into the the dangerous part of looking at places like ephesians 4 open up ephesians 4 because we're going to spend our time there ephesians 4 beginning in verse 1 says something like this i therefore a prisoner for the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all watch this humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love. You could look at that and you say, that ain't a marriage verse. Uh, I think it is a marriage verse. I think it's a Christian living verse. I think it's a verse that we would use to bear with one another in love, to walk in humility with one another. I don't see husband. I don't see wife in that verse. I know, but we need to think outside of that box, outside of just, if I don't see husband and I don't see wife, doesn't apply to my marriage. It applies to brothers and sisters. It applies to co-workers. But I know she's my sister, but she's really my wife. I know he's my brother in Christ, but he's really my husband. Or in a worse situation, I know she's treating me as if I'm her enemy. And the Bible has a lot to say about what? How do we treat our enemies? We love our enemies. We love, some people are in marriages where maybe you're the only believer. We love our neighbor. We love our brother and sister in Christ. Everyone in your life falls into one of those categories. Sibling in Christ, right? We are family, neighbor, enemy. All of them are treated with love. And so what you're going to see over the course of these next two sessions is us applying God's word, not necessarily out of marriage passages, but applying them to our marriage nonetheless. And hopefully you'll see that to be uh, a helpful helpful thing for us, and may God use the reading and the preaching of his word to grow us and to change us. I remember a time when I was driving, uh, I was driving to work, and uh, Sarah and I, I don't remember the exact context of it, if we had just had a disagreement and resolved it, but I'm, I'm sitting at a red light, and I thought, okay, it's safe to text. I'm going to text my wife, and I texted her this message and said, baby, I really love you, I just want to know you're my best friend, and all this other stuff. I got a text back saying, love you too, bro, from Dave Werns. I can't be the only person that's happened to. Please raise your hand and tell me somebody has sent the text. Nobody. Not to Dave. Right. Okay. Just to someone else. 
Things like that happen all the time. Communication mishaps. I moved here. I was living here three days. I went to the Taco Bell on Mall Road. I've told some of you this story before. Went to the Taco Bell on Mall Road. Back then, we were eating a lot more Taco Bell than we eat now. But we like to go to Taco Bell. So we're like, you know what? We're painting. We're unpacking boxes. Let's go to Taco Bell. Okay, fine. I go through the drive-thru. I order the standard Peter and Sarah order at that time. Burrito Supreme, bean burrito with no onions, two nachos with two extra nacho cheeses, and they jack up that part every time and give me one nacho cheese that's half full or three nacho cheeses that's a quarter full. Anyway, so I'm at the window, and I order this, and then all of a sudden, uh, I say, okay, I want this, the nacho cheese, extra nacho cheese, and through the speaker, I hear, please? So I go, uh, please? (laughs) Because my English to Northern Kentucky dictionary hadn't come in yet. And didn't realize that please here means repeat yourself like it means nowhere else. Maybe I'm, I'm told it means that in German. But so it's all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm like, am I really being corrected on my politeness by this teenager? Extra nacho cheese, please. I, I literally went, uh, please. Pretty, pretty please. Don't spit in my food. Dating Sarah, summer of 2001. My wife is from the Carolinas. I am not. That's a seminar in and of itself. We're talking and just kind of, we may not have even been dating. You know what? I don't even think we were dating. But just kind of, there's like flirty talk and you could just tell like we like each other and stuff. And she comes up to me and she goes, oh, you are a mess. And I'm like, (laughs) You're a mess. Like, I don't, I don't know since when is mess. Mess is a positive thing, apparently, where she comes from. Hot mess is a whole new level. But she goes, you are a mess. And that's like, a, I was like, she said it with a flirty tone, yet called me a mess. I'm wearing my imitation CK1. I know a guy. I don't think I'm a mess. You're a mess. Communication will trip us up every time. Now, it's good to laugh about it. But I have to be honest with you. We've been married. We'll celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary this November, Lord willing. And it's exciting. And there's lots of ways the Lord has grown us. We're very, very, very grateful. Lord willing, you'll hear about it throughout this session and the next. And then the time that we spend in Q&A. But if there's something that's still every once in a while. I mean, we still get tripped over many things. Consistently, it's a communication issue. It's the way we've chosen to communicate. It's the way we've chosen to interpret. It's the way we've not taken the other person into consideration as we've expressed uh, our viewpoints, as we've expressed the things that are on our hearts. So this picture comes to mind. If you spend any time, how many of you spend time downtown, either for work, you hang out, downtown, downtown means Cincinnati, overseas. How many of you spend time, right, there's lots of development going on in the banks and throughout the downtown area in the central business district and beyond. And lots of times you see construction cranes. Construction cranes are used for building. When you see a construction crane, look at my brother who's a construction crane operator right there. When you see a construction crane, things are being built. Development is happening. A construction crane is used to build up. Unless there's a wrecking ball attached to it. We need to realize that when it comes to our tongues, when it comes to our words, our words can bring life and healing into our relationships, 
or they can bring struggle, and the Bible even says can bring death. Proverbs 18, 19 through 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words, our speech, the way we communicate can build up or it can tear down. And it's good to laugh at a Tim Hawkins clip. It's good to laugh at me being called a mess and not realizing that's a positive thing south of the Mason-Dixon line. It's good to laugh at me at Taco Bell. But it's not always so laughable when it comes to our own homes and our own marriages and our own hearts and our own struggles. Communication is an important part of our life that we need to work on and we need to look to God's word as to what it says. Our words originate in our heart. Matthew 12, 34. One of the most easy... Matthew, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I would go so far as to say there's never something you said that you didn't mean. There's stuff that you've said that you wish you hadn't said. I actually did mean what I just said. I just didn't mean to say it. Oops. And you want, no, you want to, we oftentimes wish we can click undo on our words. Amen? Words can build up. Words can tear down. So what we're going to look at is something called the four rules of communication. It's something that we spoke about in CDT if you came back in the fall. And we're going to look at them specifically to our marriages. Because the four rules of communication can be used in all relationships. All relationships, and they apply all the time, but they're particularly helpful in communicating with one another, resolving conflict, and being able to build one another up, which is what we should want to be doing in our marriages. So stay in Ephesians 4, but flip towards the end to Ephesians 4, verses 25 and following. And I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture that you don't see in any Bible you have that I've ever seen, Communication Principles for Marriage. Okay, if that's a topic heading in your Bible, please raise your hand. I want it. doesn't say that. Not a marriage passage. But we're going to look to God's word and apply it to our marriages nonetheless. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger... And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labor. Doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. But be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture, working our way through it, looking at four rules of communication that we can apply to our marriage. And the first rule is be honest. Based on Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Therefore, having putting away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. So being honest, it's important for us to talk about what that is. But it's also important for us to talk about what that is not. If you look at the first part of that verse, it says having put what? Away 
falsehood, having put off falsehood. So that's the first thing we need to do is make sure that we put off falsehood. What would be categorized as falsehood? Well, the first thing that's categorized as falsehood is just outright deceit. I mean, that's usually the thing that we think of when it comes to, uh, when it comes to what it means to be false, right? A lie. Well, it's just a lie. I said I'm going left, but I'm really going right. I said up, but the reality is down. It's just a lie. But we would do well to not just say that's where the definition stops. Because if we look at, at falsehood as just an outright lie, we're going to start to rationalize other ways of being false and other ways of not being totally true in our communication and say, well, that's not a lie. That's not an outright lie. Just not the whole truth. I just left out some details. So it could be keeping a secret when it should be disclosed. A part of my life or a part of a story that should be disclosed to my wife, but I don't tell her. Have I lied? No. Well, yes. I've intended to deceive. It could also include exaggeration at inappropriate times. Using the words always or never. You always do this. You never do that. Exaggeration, always and never, are just about always not true. I, can't, I was careful. I said just about always. Always and never are just about always not true. Always hyperbole. They're exaggerations. They paint other people in a bad light. We exaggerate at inappropriate times. Sometimes there's a conflict between verbal and nonverbal communication. I love, love, to my shame, saying to my wife, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. I'm about the words. I'm about, especially earlier in our marriage, it was all about, let's go to the tape. Let's go to the script. I said, if you were to write out what I said, you wouldn't take it that way. And she would look back at me and say, it would be better if you would write out what you said because it wouldn't come with you. (laughs) And then it would be clearer. She said, you didn't write out what you said. You said what you said with you. And she would do this with you. Tim Hawkins is talking about text messages. Little, little bit of advice. Never text anything that you really care about. Right? It's a text message to be quick. I'm outside. I'm on my way home. Never text anything that you really care about. Because with text messages doesn't necessarily come the tone of voice. But you know what? To prove this point, that there's a conflict between uh, verbal and nonverbal communication. Or that more than just words communicate. What do we use now to text? It's not just word, but it's also what? Emojis, right? Emoticons, little faces and little halos and a little picture of poop and a little picture of this and a four-leaf clover and a partridge in a pear tree. We we put all these things in text messages. Why? Because they add tone. They add, they clarify, or at least we think they, they add humor. They add something that just the words may not add. We need to care more about both aspects of communication, our verbal and our nonverbal communication. Distinguishing the real message or innuendo. These are ways that we can have examples of dishonesty at work in our lives. We need to put off falsehood and be committed to truth. So I want you to notice a couple of things that it says in verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So this You may look at this and say, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. But we must speak. We must speak. Strong, healthy relationships. Strong, healthy marriages 
don't come about as a result of silence. Strong, you say, oh, I'm, just not a, I'm just not really much of a, of a talker. We've got to get over that. Okay, you don't have to be the life of the party in the middle of the room with a lampshade on your head, but you have to be willing to speak. Why? For we are, the Bible says, members of one another, particularly in a marriage. Strong, healthy marriages don't come about as a result of silence. Nobody likes to play. Guess what he or she is thinking? That's not a fun game at all. Sarah doesn't want to have to play. Guess what Peter's thinking? She might actually. She might just want me to tone it down just a little bit at times. But for the most part, she doesn't want life to be a guessing game. She wants to have to play. I don't want to have to play. Guess what you are thinking? I just want to know. If I've erred, please tell me. If I need to make something right, please tell me. Nobody likes to play. Guess what he or she is thinking. People can't read minds. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? It doesn't matter how well you know someone, and you might be able to get to know them a little better where you say, I think something's off. I think she's thinking this. I think he's thinking that. But the bottom line is, I can't read your mind. You can't read mine. And we don't want to have to play guessing games when the Lord has given us mouths and tongues and voices or means of communication. We must speak. But we don't, not only must we speak, because remember, the wrecking ball, right, attached to that crane can be used to tear down. We need to speak the truth. So it's not so much that we just speak, but we need to speak the truth. And speaking truth, watch this, means giving the facts as they actually are without intending to withhold information. Now, does that, that doesn't require that one must share every single detail, every single time, every single thing. But it does require one to give enough facts for the message to be accurately communicated. We need to speak the truth. But more than that, we need to speak the truth in what? Love. love. Speak the truth in love. Earlier in Ephesians 4, we didn't read it today, but it says in verse 15 that rather speaking the truth in love, we are to, there it is, not tear down, but what? Grow up. Grow up in every way into him who is the head, which is Christ. We need to speak the truth in love because my goal in marriage is not happiness. If my goal in marriage is happiness, I'm going to be disappointed. If my goal in marriage is that this would be the source of my joy at all times, I'm going to be disappointed because that's idolatry. It should only come from Christ. It should only come from God. But we want to have healthy marriages and we want to build each other up into Christ. And therefore what we want to do is we want to put on love and speak the truth in love. And the reason we want to do this is because we are members of one another. Members of one another. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. It's real profound. You say, yeah, it's real profound. That's why I'm here. It's a pretty profound mystery. But you have to keep in mind that in Ephesians 4, think about this. In Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about Christians in general being members of one another. It's the series we're going through right now. We are what? We are family. How much more true is that for my wife? We have a one. We're family, but none of you are like a wife to me. And that's how it should be. We're family, we're related to one another in Christ, but there's only one person that I have a one flesh union with, and that's, that's Sarah. 
We're members of one another. We need to speak the truth in love. Take a look at this quote from Paul Tripp. It says, we instinctively think about our own needs and wants. We are primarily committed to our own welfare. But as we humbly admit our selfishness, we can begin to appreciate and rely upon the enabling grace of Christ. But it starts with admitting, you know what? In and of myself, by myself, my own sinful nature, I think a lot about me. I've never had to teach my kids. Make sure you look out for yourself. Make sure, son, make sure you get the cookie before your sibling. I've never had to do that. It's innate within us. So we need to realize that and we need to understand that that affects our communication. And so we need to be honest. But then rule number two is we need to keep current. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So it says be angry and do not sin. God gives us this emotion of Anger of discontentment for a reason, and it's supposed to be goal-oriented. It's not just supposed to be that I have this emotion now that I get to just go off on somebody. I I just feel better if I use somebody else as a punching bag. I feel better if I just vent my feelings because I'm just angry and have to get some stuff off my chest. That's not what anger is supposed to be used for. God gives us this emotion so that we can do something with it. And we're supposed to use anger to solve today's problems today. As soon as possible. We're supposed to not make excuses for failing to communicate. Where we just want to skirt around the issue. We don't want to communicate. That might be awkward. I don't know if I want to bring that up. I don't know if I want to go there. And friends, that's really hard. But God tells us in his word. Look at verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. If you were to look at that in the Greek... I would suggest it's not limited to anger. It's do not let the sun go down on your provocation. That which provokes you. So you can't say, well, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Like, you can't, you can't skirt that issue. No, I'm not angry. I'm just hurt. <laughs> There's something going, something poking at you. Every time she walks in the room, I feel this and it's not a good thing. Every time he walks in the room, I'm thinking this and it's not a good thing. God wants us to take care of that today because we're members of one another and we can't make excuses for not being willing to communicate. So there's common communication cutoffs include, now buckle up, crying. Okay, now what are you saying? Are you saying crying is, oh, thank you. I guess it's obvious. That I'm crying. (laughs) Common communication cutoffs include crying. You're saying, are you saying that we can't, that it's not biblical to cry? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's not biblical for me to use my emotions to block communication. It's not biblical to do that. That's not, that's a communication cutoff. So if Sarah were to turn on the tears intentionally, knowing I'm going to be like, whoa, okay, you're right. This is a bad time and go away. That's like not cool. That's a communication cutoff that's going to prevent me from being current. But it's not just crying. could be threatening. Baby, not now. Baby, not after today, after the kids, after not now. It's just not going to go well. 
All right, it's not I'm real short-tempered today. The fuse is real short today. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay, not now. Using a bottom-line statement. Hey, listen, I'm just going to say this. That's all I've got to say. That's it. Close in prayer, take up an offering. Well, that's in my house. I'm a pastor. I don't know if you'll... A bottom-line statement. So you know what? I'm going to say this, and that's it. D-O-N-E, done. That's a communication cutoff. Or leaving the room or the house. So I'm, this is um, probably to the point, especially early in our marriage, I was obsessed with this, with this rule. So how many of you have heard the term the fight or flight? Raise your hand if you've, you've heard that. Okay. I'm fight. I married a very beautiful, godly flight. So I would be like, I'm not kidding. I shared this in CDT. I'd be like, no, 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 no. We're going to solve this right now. We're going to solve it right now. It doesn't matter. And Sarah would be like, goodbye. And she would literally walk out of the room, out of the home. And I'd be like, don't walk. No, you can't do that. And I would hear, slam. She's on the street walking away out of our home. I don't know if I strike you as the kind of guy who responds really well to that. But just in case, I don't. What do you mean you're leaving? We all saw I, but, but see, this is the thing. I was going to keep current no matter what. No matter what. And for us, I don't know about you, the devil never attacks like, like just, just around brunch on a Saturday when everything's just relaxed and the kids are, you know, we got one kid taking a nap, another kid reading, you know, Calvin's Institutes, another kid like these. And now it's like, you know what? Hey, you want to have it out? Let's have it out now, right? We'll have lunch a little later. We'll just have it out now. We'll work out our diff. That never happens. Watch this three times. On the way to work, on the way to church, on the way to bed. On the way to work, on the way to church, on the way to bed. That seems to be the times when conflict, and those times are like super inconvenient. Okay, so it's late at night, and I'm going to keep current. Why? Because I'm a biblical Christian, and I went to Lafayette, Indiana in the middle of the winter and heard these four rules of communication. We're going to apply them. And I have, so I, I've had Brad Bigney came and told a marriage retreat, and Brad, they came and told this, and I'm, we're going to do this. That was a real piece of work. Hey, baby, come and hang out. I had the things down that I knew what I was going to do because I had not, because, honestly, I was so excited thinking I entered into marriage because I'd been to this conference, I'd been to this retreat. Brad had come to our church and taught us, Brad and Vicky come to our church, taught marriage stuff before in New York City. And I'm like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tear down idols out of our life. We're going to read the Bible regularly. We're going to spank our kids. Marry me. We're ready. I've got these things down, baby. We're going to do this. I've been to Lafayette. It's not a big deal. I don't want to brag, but I have been to Indiana. <laughs> I got a binder, so. Obsessed with keeping current. We need to deal with our problems as soon as possible. So before I talk about my obsession and how I repented of that, I just want to throw out there, we need to solve our problems as soon as possible. That's really important. Matthew 6 and verse 34. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Ain't nobody got time for that tomorrow. We have enough trouble today that we need to take care of. 
We need to use the energy and the times that God has given us to take care of today's problems today. So there's certain questions we need to ask before bringing up a problem. Questions I failed to ask in, earlier in our marriage. I just want to solve today's but Keep current. Be honest. Keep current. So we need to ask these questions before we attempt to solve the problems that we have in our marriages. Number one, do I have the facts right? Do I have the facts right? Proverbs 18, 13 says, uh, if you answer in a matter before you hear it, it's your folly and your shame. Have I heard the facts right or am I just going with my own interpretation? Okay. Number two, should love hide it? Should love cover it? Okay, yesterday Pastor Brad was talking about riding the stallion of love across, like just having love covered. You know what? It's not a big deal. Have love covered. This is not a big deal. I'm assuming the best. Early in our marriage, love covered nothing. Nothing. We needed to resolve everything, and that was all me. Literally all me. Remember? She said, goodbye. So I was like, no, 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 no. We need to solve everything. Two complete opposite extremes. No, no, no. Every little thing. We need to get to the heart of the matter. It's the matter of the heart. And we need to look out every little thing. Sometimes it's just an eye roll, and somebody's really tired, and they didn't sleep well the night before, and it's really not personal. We need to build a bridge and get over it. And we don't just build that bridge out of just our own patience. We build that bridge out of love. Love covers it. Love covers a multitude of sins. Should I have rolled my eyes? No. Can you give me a little grace? You know that it's been really busy and I didn't sleep all the night before and I'm not really feeling well now. I, don't really, I didn't really mean that. I'm just, I'm rushing. There's things that love can cover. Let love cover it. But if love covers it, What does God do when love covers it? He separates our sin from us as far as what? The east is from the west. So it's not fine. I'll let cover it. That jerk. This is a frying pan, by the way. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know where this came from, but fine. Love will cover it. That's not love covering it. That's lying. Love covering it is, I believe the best of him. I believe the best of her. I'm assuming the best. I'm going to move on. It's not eating at me. I love them more than they just hurt me. Should love cover it. First Peter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Do I have the facts right? Should love cover it? Should love hide it? Is my timing right? <laughs> For me, not at all. Because it was always right now. So it didn't matter if these things happened at 11 o'clock at night. It didn't matter if they happened on the way to bed. Oh, no, 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 no. We need to do this right, right now. Because we can't go. And then, remember, fight or flight. So I'm like, no, we need to talk about it. And then I got the impression that Sarah was just telling me the things that I wanted to hear because she wanted to go to bed. Which was, in fact, true. She was just telling me the things that I want to hear. I'm like, babe, I don't think you really mean that. She's like, I don't. I just want to go to bed. She admitted it. I'm like, ha-ha. She's like, ha-ha. Because the timing wasn't right. So what do we do now when the timing's not right? Because remember, on your way to work, on your way to church, on your way to bed. Those are the times when, I don't know if that's the case for you, it always comes up. It seems to always come up at inconvenient times. Got to get the kids to this. We got to go there. We got to do that. Here's what we do. We don't not show up at church because we have to solve this issue, right? It's like my job. So we don't, we don't not show up at church because we have to solve this. We don't not go to bed like we used to. Like I used to force us to. 
Here's what we do. We sit down. So usually when, when we're, if we're having an argument, a heated discussion, doesn't have to be what I call a knockdown drag out, but just a heated discussion back and forth. Usually what happens is we start out arguing over, over this. This represents whatever we're arguing over. And it's, but I see it this way. And it's like, no, 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 we've got to do something else. But then if you notice, all of a sudden our eyes kind of shift and we're not looking at that anymore. We're looking at each other. And we've totally forgotten about this. And now it's not us disagreeing about that. It's become adversarial. So usually what happens, one of us has to do this. Somebody has to call time out, sit down, grab hands. I don't have a Bible verse for this. This is third Peter. Okay. <laughs> sit down, grab hands. Why do we do this? I love my wife. She loves me. I find it hard to remain just as angry as I was if I'm touching her. Provided she doesn't pull away. No. But I, and we go, whoa, 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 whoa. Watch this. I know this is going to sound hokey. I'm just going to be honest with you. This is what we do. We sit down. Okay. Sarah gives what I call the Sarah sigh. It's a real mysterious thing. That sigh could mean so many different things. I get the Sarah sigh. And if it's me who said, let's sit down, hands. Hey, 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 hey. Same team. Same team. I know that sounds like some hokey reminder. It's a reminder we need in that moment. We're not against each other. We're for each other. Hey, hey, hey. Same team. Now, I am hokey. And when I say it, I want her to say it back to me. She never does. <laughs> so it's like this. Watch. This, this, this moment is like this. Hey, hey, hey. Same team. She goes. And I, and I do this. I go. Say it. And she goes, sorry, same team. And then it's just not, it's just ruined. I, now I just want to fight. No. And we look at each other and we remind each other of the things that were true before this fight and the things that are true right now. We love each other. This will not be our undoing. We say those words. Because whatever we're fighting about is not going to be our undoing. We love each other. We're emotional. We're tired. We're not making sense. We're taking things too seriously. Let's be on the same team and go to bed. Okay, let's do that. Did we go to bed with anger provoking us? Not as much. Because we've taken our focus. Remember, it started out here. Then it got up here. It got up to Sarah. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop standing at two different corners of the room talking to each other in loud voices. Let's sit down. Hey, same team. Same team. Okay, fine. We've reminded ourselves of the truth that we're, we're together on this. It's about that. It's not about, it's not about us. We can put this off until the morning. As opposed to just, fine, fine, going upstairs. And, you know, all of a sudden they have that, you know, that, the, the shot of the bed from the ceiling. Like if it was in a movie. And I roll over to this side and she rolls over to this side. Or one of us sleeps on the couch. We don't go to bed at odds. We may not have, can, I would have said, no, no, we're going to solve this right now. It doesn't matter. That was old me, right? Old me obsessed with keeping current. No, we're going to solve this right now. No, in reality, we're not going to solve this right now. We're tired. We have four kids. We have to be up. We have a day tomorrow. Let's solve this tomorrow, but let's go to bed together on the same team. That is keeping current. As opposed to making this issue the end-all be-all. No, 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 no. We have to solve it right now. Is my timing right? 
Proverbs 15, uh, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. Is my motive right? Remember, I'm that construction crane. Am I building up or am I tearing down? Is my motive right? Are my words loving? Ephesians 4, we looked at that before, building up one another in love. Have I prayed for God's help? That takes time. I prayed for God's help. God help me. Amen. Like, no, that's not praying for God's help. Lord help her. Amen. Have I prayed that God would give insight to my eyesight? So that which I see is just what I see. But Lord, I need you to help me to discern my own thoughts, my own heart, my own feelings. Help me to understand her. Have I prayed for God's help? Okay, and this is, oh yeah, I know that verse from Sunday school. Yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. There's an important thing to do and not do in that proverb. Yeah, I got to trust in God. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Don't necessarily just trust in yourself. Trust in the Lord. Rule number three, attack the problem, not the person. Ephesians 4, 29 through 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here's what we need to do. We need to avoid corrupting talk that attacks the person. Corrupting talk that attacks the person. The difference between me being told that what I did was probably not wise versus I am an idiot. Okay, one's like, I'm not an idiot. Then all of a sudden it gets personal. Hey, I don't know if what you did was just really that wise. That gets my attention. I want to know because I want to be a wise man of God. What kind of person would do that? Now it's all of a sudden, oh, I'm not even a person. I just want to melt down. No, it's, it's, it's not talk that attacks a character, but that literally attacks a problem. Okay, words that attack a person's character, this is what we're supposed to put off. Okay, Matthew 5 Verses 21 and following. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother, whoever says you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Ouch. That's a big deal. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words that attack a person's character. Words that tear down or rip apart or hinder growth. Words that confuse the discussion or bypass the conflict, okay? Where words are many, sin is not lacking. Words that grieve the Holy Spirit. You realize our words can grieve the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a minute. How do you feel when somebody dies and you grieve and you mourn the loss of that person and it's like, oh, it's a gut punch, Because even if you saw it coming, you kind of didn't see it coming, right? It always takes us by surprise. And so, oh, 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 now she's, she's gone. He's gone. And you grieve. That's what my speech can do, not only to my wife, but to God. When he looks at me, sees what I'm saying. When do you think, oh, don't, don't make him angry. He'll smite us. He's not going to smite us. Oh, I don't want to make him grieve. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit that sealed me for the day of redemption. Where he would look at me and say, oh, at least on a temporary basis, 
It's like I've lost him. He's gone. We don't want to grieve God. We need to use edifying words that encourage and build up. Now, these would include uh, words that encourage growth, words that fit the need. They're appropriate for right now. So biblical counselor Pastor Boy over here likes to talk about the issue at hand and then also how it affects everything else and how it's also connected to that and how this problem really probably started because I've kind of seen your mother do that and this do that, which is really awesome, like not at all. Look, words that fit the occasion and fit the need not every other, oh, and this is, you know, let's do Ronald Reagan's trickle-down effect. Because you said this, you probably think this, and you probably mean that. And if you, here's what you didn't say, but here's what you had to have meant, because you didn't say that, but I know if you meant, words that fit the occasion and minister to the need of the moment. And the result of this type of communication is a benefit, it's grace to those who hear, because we're looking to build up, build up. When this rule is obeyed with respect to problem-solving, Our words are solution-oriented. Because it's not about you, it's about it. And I care so much about you, I want to talk about it. And the it could be the sin within you, but it's not you as a person. I want to talk about the sin that is within us. I want to talk about the sin that's between us. So that we can grow, and we can change, and we can be more like Christ. And lastly, act Don't react. I want you to see this. In verses 31 and 32, there's a list of what I'm going to call reactions. Okay, and it's there on the screen, then it's in your books. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Okay, so first what I want to do is I want to go through this and talk what's being referred to here. Okay, these reactions. Bitterness is, is a state of resentment, a desire to think about and treat someone according to evil. Wrath is anger that usually results in an outburst, like an explosion. That's what's being referred to there. Versus anger is kind of like the settled indignation, the the slow burn. This is where I stand. This is where I'm going to be. Um, Clamor is loud screaming, usually associated with a brawl or a quarrel of some, some point. Slander is profane or abusive speech. And then malice is wickedness in the sense of a desire to harm the other person. Now, if you look at all of these things... Here's what you will notice. These are all reflexive reactions. And by that I mean they come natural. Remember when you were a kid and you went to the doctor? And the guy, remember this? Please tell me I'm not the only one. Did I have a quack of a doctor? (laughs) You're all like, our doctor never did that. That's really weird. (laughs) Mommy. Took a little hammer, hit your knee, looking for a what? Looking for a? Reflex. How much thought did you have to put into that? Not at all. There it is. See? It works. <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom got so mad at me. One time I kicked the other leg. <laughs> Peter! Sorry. That's not funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Who says, you know what? I think I'll have an outburst of wrath about three minutes. Who says, you know what? I think I'll grow bitter over time. Do these things happen as a result of our plans? No. It's just a reflex. It's a reaction. We don't have to think about it. It's how we are naturally. Act, don't react. These are the things we need to put off. 
you know what? I think I'll be angered just, but I'll have a slow birth. These are the things that are, that they're innate within us. This is who we are as human beings. We put off these reactions, and instead we put on uh, actions. Okay? So I'm skipping through here because I want to make sure that we end on time. We need to seek to apply godly actions and attitudes. And that's what Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave us. So the four rules of communication comes back to what? Better living, my best life now. It comes back to how Christ has communicated and treated me. I need to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving, just as God in Christ has forgiven me. Motivated by God's forgiveness of us. Be honest. Keep current. Attack the problem, not the person. Act, don't react. Has God been honest with me through his word? He certainly has. He's shown me my sin and he's shown me my savior. Has God kept current with us? Yeah, because at just the right time, what? Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5. In crucifying his son, has God attacked the problem, but not the person? He has. He's taken care of my sin debt and spared me through his son, Jesus Christ. He's been honest. He's kept current. He's attacked the problem, not the person. And in so doing, he has acted and not reacted when he could have and would have been very right to do so. But he's kind to me, tenderhearted, and forgiving me through his son. Father, we pray that you would help us to be more like you in our communication patterns and how we treat one another and how we love one another, particularly in our marriages. Make us the husbands and wives that we need to be to be pleasing to you and to bring you glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.